So Maxwell, let's talk a little bit about the main theme for the Weird Deception. What were some of your initial impressions about our conversation and our process? Definitely. I mean, I, I mean, it's, it's been a while, but um, for me, working on the main theme, you know, that, that was us um, kind of defining the whole sound, I, I think, in a way, or, or at least not only defining the sound, but also figuring out a language between the two of us. So, you know, we, right. we're actually, because I think that is the beauty and also the, um, one of the hardest things about music for narrative is that there's not really a specific language that can be used um, with everybody. I think it's, it's, a very, it's a very specialized thing that's often you know, heavily, uh, you know, it's to do with metaphor and, and kind of figuring this thing out. So I think for us, it was such a great, um, you know, it was a learning experience. We went through, I forget how many versions we did, but we really explored a lot of sounds. 13, 13 unlucky for some, but <laughs> not for us. Um, so I think really that was us figuring out a lot, you know, just tones and timbres and, you know, what we what we both, you know, agree to be, let's say, ominous or, or you know, foreboding at times. And I think it really helped us figure out not only the sound, but the scale too. So there's a lot, you know, for me, it felt really important. And honestly, it's, uh, I think it's, it helps us to this day to kind of have this kind of shorthand, you know, now we know. And um, for me, I think what was so important about working on the main theme was kind of striking that balance that um, I actually just tried to do my own music anyway, but it's where you're, you're trying to find what is organic to you and what feels like a natural sound, but yet isn't too rooted in perhaps a certain time or place, but yet still has like a relevance um, to, to, to now, to today, I think. You know, so I think for us, because you know, I tried a, a whole array of sounds, and I think sometimes, because I was probably coming from a place of, of maybe kind of more... Um, epic music or something, you know, I was using certain string sounds that, you know, that to me appeared to be, you know, uh, the right size, but actually as time went on, we, we you know, uh, discussed and figured out that, you know, it, it was really kind of too epic. So I think a lot of time it was that kind of uh, scaling down and pairing it back, um, which has just been a great kind of a mission statement for me in general, actually, just to kind of not, I think it, you can get very tempted, especially in this town in LA, you know, to as a composer, just add on another layer and more and more, you know, glossy things. Right. But for this, for the weird deception, you know, so much of it's, um, you know, why it works so well is I think because there is that kind of horror or there's that kind of suspense, but it's not sure. on a grand scale or is it, it kind of gets you in that more kind of, um, you know, intellectual level. So I think that was one of the things that we explored was, you know, was all those things, tone and um, discovering our language really. I think one thing that might be helpful for folks is for us to talk about our give and take, like what as a filmmaker I gave you as a composer that was useful and helped you in your process. I think a lot of filmmakers have the same problem that I have, like you may be really into music and love music and it's a big part of your life, but you don't necessarily know the terminologies. And it can be actually worse when you try to use musical terms if you don't really understand them you know like rhythm or melody or whatever can actually cause things to be more difficult and one thing that i learned and one thing i've been you know one thing that i've learned and i've been teaching my students is how important it is to describe things with specific adjectives like the tone and you know the feeling you want 
and you know expressing that to be it the composer or designer and then let them do their job like translate those emotions into music or design or whatever the craft is as opposed to trying to use terms that you don't really know that well uh, and end up you know sort of muddling the conversation mm, i mean that's a great question and uh Gosh, I'm trying to think. I think um, one of the biggest, most helpful thing was just this great back and forth dialogue that we had. You know, I would, you know, I think when you write that first version of anything, it, it's daunting because you're, you're still, as a composer, you're still trying to figure out any kind of, maybe a word that might to start with feel a bit ambiguous, you know, or like trying to just, just you know, uh, determine what, let's say, um, foreboding means in this, in this case. So I think once I'd written the first version, it's all easy from there because then you would give, you would write, you know, I would use that almost as a kind of a litmus test. I would write something, you would then give me feedback. And I would then from that, you know, if you, if you're saying, oh yeah, but it sounds too epic here or it's, or it's too uh, grand. I think that then simply informed my next, you know, kind of compositional decisions. So that was definitely helpful. Um, I'm trying to think, I think what was really, what's helpful about the way you give feedback is it's incredibly precise but like you said before, you, you never go into too much musical detail. I think you also find a great way of using language to convey what it is you want without having to get into a kind of, I want a C minor seven with a, you know, a, the nine in there, because that often just would, does confuse me. And that does happen with a lot of directors that I've worked with. They, they have musical knowledge, which can be, can be uh, useful, but I think often to talk in broader terms really helps and then with those broader terms, once you write a couple of versions and you then get this back and forth, then you really understand the definition of, of certain you know, adjectives and certain uh, themes and stuff. So yeah, I think just we've had a great back and forth um, and, and we primarily do it via email, which I actually find really helpful. I think sometimes directors or producers or you know creators, they want to have that face-to-face -face thing or they want to be on the phone which is great too but I actually love I, I like the visual thing of just seeing it you know almost in kind of bullet points it really helps just right. to have it and you can kind of go back over it so for me it's just that precise feedback that really right. helped me continue to compose and, and to refine things. I know one thing that I found really helpful was you know early on we talked about do, you doing multiple versions of uh, track not as polished, you know, like a rough version and then giving me a few options and then picking from that as opposed to uh, spending a ton of time on one and trying to present it polished and then if it's in the wrong direction, sort of a wasted effort. You know, sometimes something that I thought was going to be great, when I hear it, I realize it doesn't work. It may be good, but not right for this um, or may just not be right at all. Um, or you suggest something that it, I don't really see it, but then when you give me that flavor, I'm like, ah, that's what you mean. And I'd only know that if I had heard it, you know, even if it's in an unpolished form. I mean, this approach takes a lot of discipline uh, and perspective from the filmmaker's side not to nitpick everything and to really focus on the you know, core of uh, what the composer is presenting to them. I think ultimately our process really allowed the main theme to evolve in a healthy way and the end result was a lot better. Absolutely. I mean, I, I can't agree with you more. I mean, it's, it's um, I think really working with you, I, I've learned so many techniques about how to work more efficiently too. And I think this idea of, you know, you, you reminded me because I haven't done it in a while, but I think when you, when a composer 
presents two or three different ideas, it is, it's really valuable. And um, I think you have to have faith in the director or you know, producer because like you say, if, you, if you're handing over something that maybe isn't as polished as it could be, then that you do run that risk of, you know, I think we're, we're in a place right now with technology, uh, at least with, with audio, that you know, there's an amazing, a lot, there's a lot of great samples and uh, virtual instruments, you can have the sound of a choir or you know, an orchestra, but it still takes a lot of finessing to give it the life and soul of real musicians. And I think sometimes you have to have that faith in your, you know, in the director, because um, if you are handing over a bunch of versions, you might not have the time, but you just want to give them that raw essence. And I think, you know, you really gave me that confidence to just hand things over. And uh, honestly, it's really, it's a great way to go and not, it doesn't always happen with other people. So um, I find that really, really important. And I think, um, yeah, like I say, with technology, we are at this point where I'm sure in another 10 years, you'll be able to hand over demos you know, without much uh, work to make yeah, the yeah, sound. Have your, your robot handed over to my robot. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, I mean, that also, you know, that, that is, um, you know, that, that, that can be kind of an issue too because, um, you know, I, I love technology and it's so important for how I compose, but it, it's, um, if you're not careful, you can kind of get too, you know, sucked up into those uh, certain sounds that everybody else has. So I think, you know, this kind of leads me to, um, to another point, which is I think with the weird deception we really want to create a bed of sounds that were completely unique and um for me uh it was i think i had a lot of fun actually i was back in the uk for a while and i was um staying at my gra- my grandparents place at the time and they had a, a garage full of old you know metal and wood you know, st- stuff <laughs> definitely yes i mean i i I really enjoyed that process i think there's uh you know there's a tendency um in the composer's world to collect sounds and i think often you know people are quite lazy or they they go out and buy the latest library as i'm sure editors or you know other people do visually um but you know really for me if you go out there and, and, and find sounds and make sounds yourself and then turn them into virtual instruments, you kind of, you have a signature then. And I think you can really, you know, my um, desire is on each project to create some, you know, custom sounds that then become absolutely synonymous with, with that work. And in a way you're kind of creating a little signature. Yeah. And I think that um, when you, when you were the garage sounds you're talking about, that was during a time when we were trying to figure out the balance of electronic versus organic for the sound because you know inherent in the weird deception is this whole you know you know people dealing with their demons and you know there's a visceral quality they were trying to go with and going too electronic would lose that no matter how much you know like yeah i like certain electronic music like where it works best you know artists like tim hecker artists like lorn like they managed to have that uh, emotional through line to the music and you know like you they they understand the balance and they they um they know it's still music and that's why you can have all the sample libraries in the world and it doesn't matter like it's you know like photography you can have the coolest Hasselblad out there and your photos can still be awful you know you know you still have to have creativity and judgment and know how to put them together and um you know, and I think, you know, 
at least with photography, you can look through the lens. Whereas like, you know, with samples, like it really, you have to create it from, you know, whole cloth yourself. And they're like, that's, that's, it's a real challenge. Like using samples well, there's a reason why there's so few artists whose music stands out, you know, cause, and, and why there's so much samey music out there, you know? Absolutely. Um, no, it's so true. And it, for me, it kind of goes back to that thing I'm not knocking John Williams <laughs> again, but I mean, I think for, I, we love you absolutely. But I think a lot of composers, you know, that I went to school with, um, some fantastic, fantastic composers. But a lot of people, a lot of these composers, they, they love complex orchestration, which in a way is dealing with colors and textures. But for me, all all boils down to sound. You know, so how? So if so let's say you know you, you do a beautiful orchestration of a piece of music, you know, you then have the choice of just presenting it as a live acoustic thing or that, or you then can go into kind of the post-production of, of audio. And, and for me, that's where the fun really is because you're dealing, it's almost like you're dealing, it's like, how do you then represent it or recreate it or, you know, so I think with another thing I, I had a lot of fun with, with the weird deception is, um, it was taking sounds that say maybe these organic sounds that we uh, you know found and liked, and then it was just kind of toying with them or just treating them ever so slightly to kind of give them a sense that they weren't too rooted in perhaps um, a certain era. So I mean, you know, for instance, um, with Father Joseph Wager, it's all acoustic instruments there, but there's a lot of kind of uh, tape delay on certain things, or there's certain reverbs that which are not natural you know and it, it's kind of using these for me it's using uh audio production and kind of these weird manipulations of sounds to create a sort of um uh you're altering reality if you will and i think it's that's for me where i like to just kind of you know play around really so this is the final version of the main theme for the weird reception That's it for today. If you'd like to check out more of the podcast or music from The Weird Deception, check out our channel on SoundCloud. And if you want to visit The Weird Deception site, it's weirddeception.com. That's W-Y-R-D-E-C-E-P-T-I-O-N.com. Thanks for listening.